Welcome to The Third One Sucks, where we rank every movie in a franchise from first to worst. I'm Dan Ellis. I'm Mark Bell. And what are we going to talk about today, Mark? We are watching the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2014 entry, a superhero film directed by Jonathan Liebsman. Based on the comic books by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, it follows Splinter, the Turtles, April O'Neil, and their conflict against Shredder and the Foot Clan. This movie stars Megan Fox, Will Arnett, William Fitchner, Danny Woodburn, Abby Elliott, Noel Fisher, Jeremy Howard, Pete Plazek, Alan Richson, and Tuhuro Masamune, as well as the voices of Johnny Knoxville and Tony Shalhoub. It premiered July 29, 2014 in Mexico City and August 8, 2014 in the United States and was distributed by Paramount Pictures. Alright, what is our fan review for this week? This week's fan review comes from Rochelle Spurgeon, and it was a Google review that said, Andrew Garfield, one of the Spider-Men. I love the movie. I don't know why everybody hates it. It's a great movie, and the turtles have jobs. <laughs> one of the Spider-Men. It's true. I mean, Andrew Garfield is one of the Spider-Men, but yep. I don't think he's in this movie at all. <laughs> This lady was just really excited about Andrew Garfield when writing this review. Yes. Also, the Turtles don't have jobs. I feel like maybe they were trying to do one for the movie that we did last time, the oh. 2007. Okay. Andrew Garfield wasn't in that one either, Also right? not in that movie. No, at least not to my knowledge. Okay. Well, whatever movie they're pitching, I like better than this movie. <laughs> so uh, let's get into it. I will start with first impressions because this is the first time I have seen this movie. Mm -hmm. So for me, this is the first 100% new film that I have reviewed for Third One Sucks. It was, I mean, it was bad. This is not a good movie. I, there's no <laughs> sense pulling punches there. It's not a good movie. But because my expectations were so basement level, it mm -hmm. may have just barely cleared the expectations bar. I realize that is sort of damning with faint praise, but what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, this movie should just take what it can get, honestly. <laughs> Before we jump in, do you have any opening thoughts? I mean, I went and saw this in the theaters like every other Turtle movie, because I'm that guy still going to see Ninja Turtle movies in the I love that you're that guy. Movies. It's delightful. I'm always willing to go see a new Turtles movie in the theaters, even if it's this movie and it's, <laughs> and it's not a good movie. All that said, I mean, there's there's some small, itty-bitty, tiny pieces that I don't completely despise, <laughs> but they're real small pieces, and I only like them because they remind me of other versions of the franchise that I actually like. I think those are the moments we're going to have to hone in on, because there are a few shining moments where they feel like the Turtles, or at least like some other version of the Turtles that we do like. You could trim this movie by 30 minutes and still maintain the essential plot, no problem. And it's not a long movie. Yes, and whenever I was sitting down to, like try and think about what I would cut from this movie. That was my first thought. It's like, you could trim 30 minutes of this movie, right? And then I looked at the runtime and I was like, that leaves you with barely over an hour of a movie. Right? <laughs> I guess we should get into, we might as well get into the specifics at this point, right? Yeah, let's let's jump into the plot summary. All right, here we go. We open on April O'Neil, sad reporter. <laughs> I like that we're back to reporter April, 
no shade at that last movie, but weird, like, art delivery April felt way Mm -hmm. less interesting to me. April just feels right as a reporter to me. I think a lot of that's nostalgia. Absolutely. Yep. (laughs) But I understand that point of view. Megan Fox as a perfectly serviceable, if unimpressive, April O'Neil is the sort of local reporter who gets sent out to report on meaningless fluff pieces, right? But she really wants to be a hard-hitting investigative reporter, Mm -hmm. which is, as far as media tells me, the driving motivation for every reporter. You remember Veronica Corningstone from Anchorman? It's just that, but rather than wanting to be an anchor, they want to be an investigative journalist. And without, like, the feminist undercurrent of that plot, this is a Michael Bay joint, y'all. There's none of that here. (laughs) (laughs) There is no wry observations on cultural norms in this movie there's no right observations on anything (laughs) so april o'neill and her cameraman Vern. which hey here's Vern. how about that i mean he was in the 80s cartoon he's look there's a guy there's a extremely minor character created for an 80s cartoon that we put in this movie i had forgotten all about Vern in the 80s cartoon until april o'neill in this movie said the name Vern, and i was like it's Vern. look it's Vern. i got very excited for a minute (laughs) I did not know much about this movie, so I was legitimately surprised to see Will Arnett show up in this film. Yeah, he Will Arnett is in this movie. I like Will Arnett. I think he's a fine comic actor. Yeah. He feels a little out of place with what the rest of this movie is doing, but, you know, good for him for collecting a paycheck. I like Will Arnett, so I'm glad he took home some cash for this role, I guess. That's about what I can say for Vern. Yeah, there's a number of people just here to collect a paycheck for this first movie. (laughs) So April, after being sent on some meaningless assignment, ends up stumbling into, not even necessarily stumbling into, ends up semi-investigating her way into an actual Foot Clan attack. Because we learn quickly in this movie that the Foot Clan has recently begun sort of terrorizing the city. And as one would expect... In this narrative, the Foot Clan arises and starts to terrorize the city. A mysterious vigilante arises to oppose them. Because we start every turtle movie with April. (laughs) We sure do. She sees Raphael. She doesn't know it's Raphael yet. Taking out the Foot Clan at the docks for some sort of robbery? Delivery? It's not real clear. But they sure are at the docks. Yeah, there's some generic sort of minion thug action going on here. I know what you're thinking, listener. Ninja Turtles, the Foot Clan are like, they're a ninja clan, right? In this movie, and in this continuity, they are a paramilitary organization, apparently. They are, and it's weird, right? It's weird. There's so many things about this movie that were weird. It had a really weird production, where at one point the Turtles, in like one of the drafts, were from outer space, and... Eric Sachs, which is a character that we come to find out later on, was plotted to be this version of the Shredder. So, like, there was a lot of, like, reshoots and stuff that they, like, Mm. hastily... You can feel some of those threads flapping around unconnected, I Uh think, throughout the movie. You can. You can see the bones in the movie they were doing, which also wasn't good. But (laughs) they also pasted the movie we got kind of over the top of it. So April has seen this go down. She has seen what she thinks is the vigilante in the form of Raphael. But she doesn't have any hard evidence beyond, like, a calling sign, I guess? A calling card? She finds, I want to say it's Kanji. I have no way of confirming that because I'm a dumb white guy in Oklahoma. But (laughs) it looks like Kanji, and she says it says family, so I guess that's what it says, movie. So she takes a picture of that thing, which is Mm -hmm. 
maybe interesting, but meaningless in terms of proving anything to anybody at this moment. And she takes it to her boss. I'm sure her boss has a character name, but as far as I am concerned, her boss is just Whoopi Goldberg. Her boss's name is Bernadette. It's like a, a gender swap of Burn, her boss oh, from the 80s cartoon. I did not pick up on that. So she takes this outlandish story to Bernadette. And again, because she doesn't have anything to support it, is told, hey, let it go. Let it go. This is dumb. Yeah. I don't know what insane fan theory you're crafting about the Foot Clan, but drop it. And I will say, I mean, while it's Whoopi Goldberg very definitely being Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg is good at being unimpressed. That's right in her wheelhouse. She sure is doing a Whoopi Goldberg. She's another one, much like Will Arnett. I'm a fan of at least early Whoopi Goldberg's work. She was a very good comedic actor at some point. Yeah, I mean, we all saw Sister Act in the 90s, right? <laughs> True, yeah. But very much like Will Arnett, I don't know what she's doing in this movie, and I think she's probably just here to get a paycheck. Yeah, yep. Well, that's, you know, good for Whoopi, I guess. You do you, Whoopi. Sure. <laughs> that's exactly what she's doing. She is 100% doing Whoopi Goldberg. There is no uh -huh. attempt at playing a character here. She is Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> I think Will Arnett is also just Will Arnett. And it's Absolutely. Too. I think that it's just like, whatever, go for it. Be you for five seconds. April's not allowed to go cover this story. She ends up through a plot device that I do not recall. She ends up at a charity event hosted mm -hmm. by Eric Sachs. I have no idea why she's there, but yeah, she ends up there. Maybe she's there because her dad was Eric Sachs' sole partner. That's plausible, right? Yeah, I think she just showed up because that's the guy that my dad worked for. So. Yeah, and Eric Sachs does the most generic cookie-cutter billionaire philanthropist who is secretly an evil villain speech you can possibly imagine. Yeah. It's like they went to writing for billionaire philanthropists. 101 and just like took the page right out of the textbook and stapled it into their script. That class is way more specific than the, the outline for how to actually write that character is. So from there, and there's probably five to ten minutes at this charity event, mm -hmm. none of it left any impact on me. Nothing of value was lost if you were to cut that entire thing. But from there, we cut to the Shredder. Who is in this movie. I have a lot of thoughts about the Shredder as he is presented in this movie. I would love to hear those thoughts. This actor, the non-suited up version of the Shredder, feels to me kind of straight out of central casting for this role. Not a super inspired pick, but I kind of like his, I don't know if you would call it the businessman side of Shredder. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of okay with that. It's a little weird that Shredder's rolling around just like being a business dude. That version of this version of Shredder, which will make sense momentarily, <laughs> listener, I really enjoyed. I was like, oh, I buy that this is some old master who uh, could just dispatch everybody rather easily in like a matter of seconds. And he inspires even a little bit of dread, even with this hackneyed script. And I he liked does. that he's speaking in Japanese. I liked, I liked that when the theater I was like, oh, look, look at that, look at that. He's in, that's cool. Therein lies my complicated feelings with this version of Shredder, because I like the secret identity version of Shredder. I very much do not like the superhero costume version of Shredder at all. I agree with you. <laughs> 100%. So secret identity Shredder is dispatching the Foot Clan. Basically, he's tired of being harassed by this mysterious vigilante. Mm -hmm. 
And he's no dummy. He knows how vigilantes work. He knows they're all good-hearted and noble to a fault. So he just says, hey, go out, kidnap me, I don't know, somebody. Go, just go find some citizens and kidnap them. That will draw the vigilante out because that's how superheroes work. Take some hostages, be loud about it, superhero shows up. And I mean, that is exactly what happens. He's not wrong. Super nope. plot convenient April O'Neil, though, is also there to get herself kidnapped. She's all over this movie. She's just everywhere in this movie. That is the weirdest thing. And I know April is obviously central to the Ninja Turtles mythology. She Absolutely. is, after the Turtles and Splinter, probably the most significant good guy. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I can't think of anybody more relevant, like, and then Casey's underneath her. But man, she is just convenient plot gal in this movie all over the place. It is supernatural the degree to which she is in the right place at the right time, both now and in the past. I've heard people say that, like, in your first act, you can have coincidences, but you don't want them later on. But maybe not all, (laughs) every coincidence needs to happen in the first act. Maybe not everything that happens should be a coincidence. Because it turns out we're going to shrink the Ninja Turtles universe down real, real small in this movie. There's definitely some choices that were made. (laughs) So April gets herself kidnapped with a few other folks. She's trying to take some pictures of the Foot Clan or of the Turtles when they show up, right? That's her deal. She's here to investigate. And of course, the Turtles do show up. Unfortunately for the Foot Clan, I guess, they do too good of a job, the Turtles do. Yeah, they beat the living piss out of a bunch of would-be foot soldiers. So April follows them up to the roof because they Mm -hmm. escape via the roof. These turtles are very Batman-like in the way they like to travel across the rooftops of the city. I mean, that's a turtle thing in general, and I like that, but these turtles are some chonky-ass turtles. (laughs) It's a real weird visual choice, right? These are some big boys, especially for some teenagers. I know they were trying to sort of draw them into a more naturalistic visual but listen we're talking about anthropomorphic turtles you don't need to make Mm -hmm. them look more real to me they made some design choices with the turtles in this movie that we're all aware of at this point (laughs) yeah they're supremely distracting because every time there's something interesting going on you keep thinking boy Raphael's teeth are real weird pretty much mikey's the one that really messes with me like Mm. he hits uncanny valley territory more than the others i think (laughs) So April talks to the turtles on the roof. They tell her, they, I think they delete her picture, right, that she took? Yeah, they, they take away her phone. Donnie wipes the phone through, I don't know, technological wizardry because he's Donnie. And then they get, but they give her phone right back and she takes pictures of them again <laughs> as they're running away. <laughs> and in talking to each other, they reveal at least, I think, the names of Leonardo and Raphael, right? Yes. As she hears the name, she is whispering the name in a very plot implication whisper. Yes. There is zero subtlety about anything in this movie anywhere. And again, you're aiming at a small audience, so like, okay, maybe I get that, but (laughs) we could work on some delivery at least. Like, sell the delivery to where it's not so blunt and uh, uninteresting. (laughs) But she goes home, she pulls out some old home videos... Mm-hmm. And it turns out that she is basically the mom of these four turtles. They were lab experiments 
in mm-hmm. her dad's lab, as you may recall mm-hmm. from earlier, her dad's partner, Eric Sachs. So the two of them had a laboratory where they were experimenting on turtles, and April used to help them take care of the turtles. Yes, she in this version of things, she was like literally a, a little girl whenever they were yes. being taken care of. So I'm guessing that this has happened, like the turtles have grown in real time. That seems to be the case, yes. It seems like this happened, you know, 13 to 18 years ago. Right. I think that is, that's about accurate. And the flashbacks to the turtles, like they're cute little turtles. Mm-hmm. But it's all very strange. Like, they really had to work overtime to put little dots of paint on the back of the turtles to correspond to their color schemes. And It's a weird thing to be specific about amongst a million things that you're not specific about in this movie. They put an odd amount of thought into that specific flashback scene. Mm -hmm. That's really all it's there to do is to tell us, oh, the turtles were created in a lab that April's dad, I don't know if he owned, but he was at least sort of a head scientist there. Yeah, he seems to have been some manner of partner with Sax at the time. We don't right. know to what capacity, but they were both doing science. Fine, okay. April puts two and two together and says, oh, there's a blue turtle named Leonardo and a red turtle named Raphael, and my dad was doing secret turtle science. Okay, she bridges that logic gap, which, you know, sure. It's there. <laughs> She then makes the exceedingly weird choice to go explain this all to her boss, Whoopi Goldberg, with zero facts or evidence to back up her obviously outlandish claims. Yeah, she has the conspiracy board with string and and paper. (laughs) Like you do. Like you do, I guess. And it's like, it all makes sense. I promise. See, the symbol means family. There's graffiti and it looks like this. And that means (laughs) there's giant mutant turtles and also they're ninjas. (laughs) <laughs> also, just another weird thing that like I rolled my eyes at rewatching this movie is when they explain what they are and she says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles but out of order. Right. And like I know the studio wants that to be like a bit and for it to like be funny, but it's not. That is a weird thing with Michael Bay is there's a very specific rhythm to modern action movies. Like it or hate it, it has mm-hmm. been honed to perfection by both Marvel and Fast and Furious. But it's been around for a bit. There's a very specific formula that involves your characters really secretly loving each other, being family, mm-hmm. and undercutting your deep action and your scary dark moments with appropriately timed, family-friendly, goofy comedy jokes. I could do a whole podcast about how much I hate pathos being undercut <laughs> by bathos. Right. That's why Ragnarok, I don't love it quite as much as everybody else does, because I'm like, their whole fucking, <laughs> it's gone. And then you made a joke about that as it's blown. Really? Yep. Like, I love you, Taika, but really? But it's the formula. And here's the thing. Michael Bay is making those same movies. He's making these big action set piece superhero movies with mm-hmm. well-loved properties. But he's not good at that part of the formula. Transformers is terrible at that and it insists on doing it over and over he has shit taste for jokes because his taste of jokes is bodily functions it's not character relevancy it's bodily functions every fucking time it's very weird how much it feels like his sense of humor is that of a 12 year old uh, adolescent boy oh my god yeah bay drives me up a fucking wall and i think that's what we end up getting with this turtle movie Because you want it to work, because more so than even the Transformers or Marvel, 
the turtles are built around this sort of irreverent comedy, right? It is in their wheelhouse to be family who loves each other, who uses comedy to diffuse tense situations. And it just doesn't like you can see the shape of what it's supposed to be. And it doesn't ever land. Now, I don't laugh at this movie. There's no joke that works for me in this movie that I can think of. There is one joke that works for me, and it is the very end of the movie. And it's not even because of the delivery of the jokes. We can talk about that, I guess, when we get there. Sure. I'm excited to see what one joke you like. (laughs) So, April gets fired because her boss has told her to drop this story, and instead she has made an insane serial killer vision board. And she goes then to her dad's partner, which makes sense. The guy's like an uncle to her. And she goes and says, hey, do you remember how you used to do secret turtle experiments with my dad? (laughs) Well, guess what? Yeah. Them turtles ain't dead. You thought they was dead, but nope. (laughs) They just fell down and broke their legs and got a hemorrhage in their head. Yep, it's very odd. And Sax, though, as a guy who was doing secret turtle science, of course believes this. It all makes sense to him. Now he knows what this vigilante thing is. Secret turtle science. That's Beck's new record, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so while April's explaining what's going on to... Eric Sachs, the turtles are having a version of the same conversation with Splinter. Yes. Because they are not able to sneak back into their lair. He, like a good dad, is waiting for them to figure out where they went when they were supposed to be at home doing their homework. I mean, he is more initially rough on them than pretty much any other uh, version of Splinter is. Yeah, that's true. But... I mean, at the end of the day, even in this movie, Splinter still just loves his boys and wants them to be safe and okay. (laughs) He is. His visual aesthetic drives me bananas because it's just half a shade away from being very good. But instead, it just comes off as real weird. I like it better than the 2007 one. Better than the animated one. Agreed. But I don't like it as much as the Henson one. So he, without explaining much to the Turtles yet, says, Hey, listen, April is important and is now is in a whole lot of danger. You need to go take care of this situation. So they send April a message that says, Hey, you're in danger. Come meet us. Mm -hmm. She does. And then Splinter just explains all of the plot. So yeah, he's like, this is basically our mom, guys. This is basically our mom. She gave us pizza and stuff in the cages, and then she immediately abandoned us, like good moms do. (laughs) It's weird that she is both Splinter's mom and the Turtle's mom. It makes the relationships a little off, but what are you going to do? I think it's just the way that they contextualize it. Because there are pieces of this movie... April being present in the lab where the turtles were made, being one of them, where they are pulling from the IDW run. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's the best run of the turtles. Those are the best versions of the turtles that exist. Bar none, fight me. I don't care. (laughs) I see them pulling little pieces from that, and I'm like, oh, I know where that's from. But you executed it really, really poorly. (laughs) <laughs> and contextualized it really poorly. Because you're right, in this movie it feels like, oh, she's kind of their mom. That's that's a little weird, especially with Mikey constantly making jokes about having turtle boners. <laughs> like, yeah, that is weird, very y'all. Michael Bay and deeply uncomfortable for just any number of reasons. So anyway, that is the backstory. The building like burned down or crashed or something, and April saved the turtles at the last minute. Uh, their dad, her dad, their dad, I don't know, their grandpa, how does, how does this fucking work? 
April's dad was torching the place and trying to destroy everything because oh, he right. discovered yeah. what Sax was going to do. But That's then right. also, you didn't get out of there in time while doing that? That's yes. a real bad arson, man. You don't know how it's to do a bad arson. job. <laughs> and while all of this is unfolding, the Foot Clan has been racing to attack because they can track April. I think they're trying to say it's in the card that she took. I think you're right. It's very strange. Like, she realizes mm-hmm. almost as they show up, like, oh, no, they're going to be able to find me. And then they find her. Yeah, I, it doesn't. They never really square that particular circle, but it <laughs> seems to be the case. It does give us a halfway decent fight scene, though. As much as I hate the way the Shredder looks, yeah. that fight scene between Splinter and Shredder is fun. And watching the turtles have to watch their sensei and not be able to help him. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of good framing in there. Yep. There is a little chunk in there of, of something good. <laughs> it is inartfully done because they literally have to drop walls in there to plot explain why the turtles aren't helping Splinter. Just They just drop some walls. I mean, Splinter drops those walls. He does, yeah. It is a little weird that those walls are there. And that switch was conveniently there. And then it takes three turtles to lift up those walls. Yeah. So they watch as he gets ultimately beaten by Shredder. Mm -hmm. Beaten near to death. Yes. And the Foot Clan manages to kidnap three of the four turtles. Raphael Mm -hmm. had tried to get away. And the Foot Clan had left him for dead after a chunk of the sewer caved in on him. Yes, he was buried and presumably dead, but certainly incapacitated. Right. April has managed to hide, even though at some point I think she put a knife into Shredder's back. I guess they all just forgot that she was down there. She, I think, used one of Raphael's size. Yeah. But yeah, she does that and then gets thrown across the room, I think by Splinter, actually. He's just like, stay out of this or you're going to yes. die. With his prehensile tail. Which seemingly just elongates at will. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that tail is just way longer than it has any right to be. And I really like him using his tail as part of his martial arts. I think I do it's too. very cool. But yeah, it, it definitely defies physics. I can only <laughs> suspend so much disbelief. And, right. like, they've crossed that line somehow with that tail growing at random sizes and intervals. So they, the Foot Clan, take off with three turtles, leaving Splinter for dead, Raphael mm-hmm. for dead, and mm-hmm. April in hiding. Yes, she played dead. Raphael shows up right away. I guess he kept himself safe under there. I don't know. Whatever. He's just back. Yeah. We don't need to waste time watching him crawl out from under rocks. It wouldn't have been worthwhile anyway. I think, like, it's all of two seconds of him just, like, pushing it all off of him like he couldn't have yep. done that immediately. And then now he's <laughs> back in play. And he and April and Vern, who's back, I think because he has a van, go to the rescue. I mean, they very briefly check on Splinter, who says, go save your brothers. Yes. At this juncture, there is some sort of plot that I do not understand, don't particularly care to understand, about the Foot Clan and Eric Sachs mutagening the city? Yes, do you remember the end of Amazing Spider-Man? I do, yeah. It's that. They're doing that except for it's poison instead of lizard people. (laughs) It reminds me very much, if you have ever watched 
the movie Mystery Men? I have, because I was raised in the 90s. Like, the central conceit of the end of that movie was a device called the Psychofraculator. <laughs> but they were just plugging it in, and it was going to spray the city with bad. <laughs> with bad. <laughs> and that's what's going on here. There's just some big tower, and they're going to plug in a thing, and it's going to spray bad things over the city, and the heroes have to get there in time to stop it. I think they may be draining the mutagen out of the turtles or something. Two things. I really wish during this, the ending of this movie, we got Donatello saying the word flangular. (laughs) Just for me. And then two, there's this bit where Eric Sachs is explaining what they want them to do to the turtles. To like all his lackeys. And he's like, I want you to drain every ounce of blood out of them. Even if it kills them. That is, that's what happens when you drain all the blood out of somebody. What do you mean, even if? Why is there a contingency there? <laughs> I had not considered that, but you were exactly it, right. In a movie of absurd things, it's the most absurd line to me. And the turtles are just in your stereotypical, like, superhero containment unit, right? Like a sort of weird glass cylinder with ill-defined electronic protections. Yeah, and their arms are rest- and legs, I assume, are restrained. Yeah. At least their arms. They're definitely trying to suction all the blood out of them, right? Yes. But I don't ever see them getting, like, stuck by a needle or a tube anywhere. Nope. Are they just doing it all from the... Ri- like, is there... I don't know. I'm just I'm just curious as to how the mechanics of this whole setup works. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But they get a vial full of mutagen somehow. Mm-hmm. One, one single mutagen vial, which I guess is enough to do the job. They're going to go psychofraculate the city. Poison is separate. They have the poison, but they want the mutagen because then, like every good corporation, they can crank up the price for a cure and become rich. (laughs) That's right. Yes. Which is the most realistic part of this plot. But you're going to tell me this isn't Martin Shrelecki or whatever that guy's name is? Shrelly? Yeah, I also thought of Martin (laughs) Shrelly. That motherfucker. (laughs) The good guys show up. April and Vern take care of Sacks. Almost as though he is an afterthought. It's almost like this thing with sex wasn't intended to like, be a separate string from the Shredder thing. Right. And at the last minute, they had to say, all right, we have to put a lid on that weird sex plot that went nowhere. Yeah, maybe whitewashing the Shredder wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And Raphael shows up, sets his buddies free, and we get my favorite set piece. Not this particular one, mind you. It's good. But my favorite set piece of any Turtles media ever of all time are the Turtles and Shredder having a showdown on top of a tall building. That is all I want all of the time from the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that's real fun. Prior to that, we do have Raph getting his ass kicked by the Shredder. That is true. Yep. And then the Shredder leaves him for reasons, I guess. Sure. That, that's and the Foot Clan's move in this movie. They just keep leaving people behind as, as though I trust that they'll die. I don't need to verify it. I guess. Also, they need to get as much mutagen as they possibly can. And I have this completely incapacitated rat dad, but we're not going to take him either. <laughs> right. The choice is in this movie, man. Um, so then Donnie has to tell the woman how to do the technology thing. And then yep. she just cranks up adrenaline. And I guess they were supposed to try and make good jokes out of that, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, and so we get some tweaked out turtles. And then they had the chase scene down the mountain which is what you saw in all the promotional materials for this movie. Yep. It is sort of upsetting that the answer to the problem is steroids. Just get juiced. That's how we get out of here. (laughs) Just 
do you even lift, bro? It's very on brand for Michael <laughs> Bay. Just get real aggro that is true. and anything is possible. <laughs> and it does uh, ultimately end up on the top of a tall building, right? They escape from there and then they formulate a plan to stop the Shredder who's on top of a tall building getting things yeah. ready to disperse. And the chase scene, visual aesthetic of the turtles aside, the chase scene is fun because anytime you have Ninja Turtles jumping and flipping and cavorting around, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, I feel like they could have done something good with this. Yep, agreed. They didn't. They didn't. <laughs> they definitely didn't. But there are pieces there where something good could have come of it, and it just didn't materialize. <laughs> we did manage to just squeak in Vernon staring at April's ass in the middle of all of this, but... Yep. And I mean, like, his movies make bank, and so she's making money, so like... Sure, yeah. Good on her. I just wish... <laughs> I just wish she had some better... Things to what you're from, saying guess. is you just wish men were better. I wish men were better is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Man, can we please be better? Can we please be better? Please. Just a little. Sometimes. Not even all the time. Just, <laughs> just, just some of the times. Just a little better. If we're like at a two, could we try and take that up to like five by yeah. 2025 yeah. at least? Like just so we're only shit half the time. Please. <laughs> All right. So we end up with this rooftop fight scene and the turtles effectively beat Shredder by playing leapfrog. I like it despite myself. It's dumb. It's dumb, but it's a fun callback and I like it. It is a callback. It doesn't feel like setup and payoff, but it is a callback. (laughs) And I like it. I think not even because it's a callback, but because I like any superhero team when they have a part of why I like the Power Rangers when they have a Mm -hmm. combo move. Right? Like, we're going to combine all of our powers. This is the dumbest possible version of that. Yeah. But I still like seeing them combining their powers. I mean, that's why the Avengers movies are fun, right? Because we get those team-up moments. That's what makes those, like... That's why when they're all standing around in a circle and it does that swooping shot, like, that's a moment for us to behold. Because we're seeing, like, all these people combine their powers to form, like, a megazord of superheroes. Because what humans secretly want is family. All they want is to belong to a group of humans. That's what we need. It's what we want. We're all desperate for it. Our hearts Mm -hmm. yearn to be part of a family of some capacity. And somehow, here in the year of our Lord 2019, (laughs) the way we allow ourselves to access those emotions are through costumed superheroes. Yes. (laughs) Or people driving cars real fast. (laughs) Anyway, Shredder falls off the roof and the cops get him. <laughs> yep, that's the end of this movie. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> they play leapfrog, Shredder falls a very far away, and the yeah. cops get him. The He's cops just dead. arrest Shredder. Arrest him. So, <laughs> to recap, trash compactors, <laughs> yep. don't kill Shredder. Nope. Falling from 50 stories up in the sky, doesn't kill Shredder. Not a Docks, problem. Docks are a recurring problem for the foot clan. <laughs> They're Achilles heel, just a dog. Just a dock. Just a good just, dock. Maybe just stay away from the docks, guys. <laughs> and then, for reasons, the turtles all also fall off the building. Is the building sure. collapsing or something? I don't remember. They're just all falling. The, the tower falls over and they're holding on to the bit of the tower. Again, that's for reasons. Right. So as they're all falling, they're confessing their emotions to each other because that's what you have to do to force men to talk about their feelings. 
to of threaten course. them with actual death. And then, haha, they land and it's fine. And then they're all ashamed about having shared their feelings. <laughs> because now yeah. they're going to have to live. They're going to be alive. And they're going to know that other adult men also know their feelings. Oh, God, that's the worst thing possible, Mark. <laughs> anyway, they take the mutagen back and they save Splinter with it. Because that's how that works, I guess. Yep. Splinter still makes a corny joke to get out of the movie. Yeah, does he make a joke? All I can remember is get off my chest, and we only yeah. hear that through Mikey. Yep, that's about it. He's like, haha, it's funny, I'm going to pretend to be dead for an extra second. It's that's... it's not good. It's just not good. Good joke, bro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like all the jokes in this movie. Apparently you have one joke, though. This, I do. This last little bit that you like. So the movie ends with Michelangelo making one last desperate play for April, which is bad. Mm-hmm. He's serenading her. He's serenading her by singing Happy Together, which is dumb. But because I grew up on the oldies and I love the oldies very much, I like 50s, 60s, 70s rock and roll. I'm very familiar with Happy Together. It's a song done by a band called The Turtles, and that delights me. That part of the joke is good. That's the joke. That's the joke that I like. Not an actual joke in the script. No. (laughs) But that wink is the one thing that actually earned a genuine chuckle. He started singing Happy Together, and I went, ha, ha, that's a turtle song. And that was the closest I had to a laugh the whole movie. Nice. So that was our movie. That was, <laughs> that's the movie. That was Bay Turtles. Again, we know he didn't direct it, but, like, could you tell? He was a producer on this movie, and this is very much, it feels like a Bay movie. If I didn't see the credits, and you're like, you know, Michael Bay did that, I'd be like, yes, who else would have done that? <laughs> Literally, well, who else? Let me tell you who else. You. You would have done this. Tell me how you would have done it. Oh, man. Mark, so I can fix this. I can fix this. I can fix I can fix that. I can fix I can fix that. I can fix I am delighted to hear how you can fix this. This may be my favorite part of the show, and I know we only do it every third episode or so. I love the I can fix this segment. Tell me how you're making this better. We we do this when it, it feels necessary, and when I feel like there's at least something in there that I could try and fix. We already borrow little bits and pieces from the IDW run, so mm-hmm. my solution as somebody who loves that run is just use more of that because it's real Lean good. in. And in the IDW continuity, we find out that the Turtles were murdered in the past by Orokusaki, uh, Hamato Yoshi, and his four sons, and Tang Shin. They just got murdered straight up by the Shredder back in the day in feudal Japan. By doing that, we solve a few things right off the bat. One, the turtles don't have to be taught ninjutsu from a book that he found a in a book. Sword a book. That already establishes like a familial dynamic to this. Mm-hmm. Which this movie desperately needs. Yes, it does. It needs more of that heart. And it, I mean, explains a way why they would know how to do that shit. Because Hamato Yoshi was part of the Foot Clan. Shredder didn't like that Tang Shin was getting with Yoshi. Right. They got murdered. 
pretty par for the course in Turtles lore. So we put that in. If nothing else, then I think it's rad. Uh, second, I would simplify the Turtles' designs. They're way too busy in this movie. Oh, man. Agreed. There's just so much crazy shit stapled onto these Turtles, y'all. I would also just set the film in the winter again because of selfishness, and I like that aesthetic. And I think that's what works so good about that car chase in the middle of the film or towards the end of the film is that you have like snow scattering everywhere and it helps convey motion and i think whenever you have a movie set around ninja turtles motion's a big part of that just like when you have fights like in sand or like on a beach like you can convey that motion and that physicality better yeah. if you have stuff just kicking up around it like it makes a very pretty scene getting into more like the actual movie stuff we start off basically the same. Raph defeats the foot at the docks, but Karai is not there. Instead, she hears about their defeat and promises revenge on Raph to herself whenever we eventually see her in Shredder later on. Oh man, we didn't even talk about Karai. Yeah, she's in this movie. That's how inessential to this movie she is. Right. This is what I was talking about when you were talking about the 2007 Turtles movie. I was like, I like that Karai's in this and they at least do something with her because in those <laughs> Bay movies... They, they don't. And then we contextualize Raph as doing the thing that Raph does. He runs off in the middle of the night to, like, get into fights, and he doesn't take orders well, and he's not a team player. Also, we make the Foot Clan actually ninjas and not this weird paramilitary <laughs> type Man, thing. what a daring idea. I know. It's, who knew? Uh, which also means the turtles don't have to be magically bulletproof later in this movie, which was another bizarre choice. Another thing we didn't even talk about that's super absurd. Also... Pulled right out of my team in T2. I can fix this, but Sack should be Baxter Stockman. Why? Why are they so averse to Baxter? It's a perfect fit. I think Sack's Industries should have been TCRI, formerly Stockgen. In my version, April was not a child. She was a lab assistant at Stockgen before it got shut down and transferred over to TCRI. I would cut Vernon entirely because she's not a reporter. <laughs> and, and again, you may take some issue with this because I know you love April as a reporter. I do, but that's all right. I can let it go. And then uh, whenever Splinter eventually explains to April who they are, like, we can basically tie that back into it, except for we don't need her dad there doing the stuff. Like, she yeah. was actually part of the process, and then all of that stuff got scrapped when they got absorbed, and the turtles got dumped. So she didn't physically, like, dump them. They just got discarded. Right. She didn't save them only to throw them away in the sewer. But I do like, I, I am going to keep her naming the turtles, just for mine. I think it's fun to give... April, a little bit of dimensionality. Also, actually say the Shredder's name. Actually say Oroku Saki. It is nowhere in this movie. Yeah, he has a name. Also, he doesn't need a ridiculous cyborg suit. No. Oh, man, that was a real weird choice. Yeah, that, that's... Of all of the strange sort of costuming and visualization choices they made, mm -hmm. even with the turtles looking odd, man, that Shredder suit is weird. Then the foot still attacked the lair in full force. And end up overwhelming them, much like they do in this movie. Best scene in this movie anyway. I'm on board with keeping it. Or a version of it. We still get the Splinter and Saki fight. Uh, yep. And this Splinter is still defeated, but because of, like, the Oroku-Saki-Hamato-Yoshi, like, rivalry, it's Splinter that gets taken instead of the three boys. I like that. And, yep. and I think this also gives, like, Splinter a time to say, like, tell the kids to run. And so Leo has to, like, drag them away and make them retreat because that's what Splinter told them to do, and that's what he's going to do. <laughs> then, I mean, Raph takes things especially hard like Raph does. That's what he does. It's his move. Uh, the turtles then go to rescue Splinter, much like they Raph goes sure. to rescue the turtles. And we get rid of this whole poison subplot. And we keep the stakes personal. Because yes, please. They, 
they try to balloon it out to like there's this citywide epidemic and it comes out of nowhere it feels like well it's very much what an evil corporation would do and by that i mean it's very much what a corporation would do <laughs> uh, it, it comes out of nowhere in this movie and it's unnecessary and it somehow bloats a simple plot baxter and shredder just want the mutagen from splinter's veins so they can do more experiments because baxter's still upset that his company got absorbed he just wants to continue his work, and so he's working with the Shredder, who will give him a means to do so. And they want to create their own mutants. Shredder does, so win-win. Yep. All very good. From here, Shredder leaves Karai in charge of guarding TCRI, and now we have our fight between Raph and Karai. So Karai gets mm. her chance at revenge, kicks the shit out of Raph because he's so tilted from everything going on. Sure. Why Leo and the others are fighting through to free Splinter. <laughs> Boy, do I really want a Raphael and Karai fight in this movie now. This is my favorite part of your I Can Fix This so far. Yeah, I love it when Karai gets a moment to do things. It's just just a thing I enjoy. Uh, So then they rescue Splinter. April is the one that solves the containment thing without having to have any help. Because again, (laughs) in my version, she was a lab assistant to Baxter. She should be familiar with this stuff. All right, now I'm on board with the job change. You've got me on board. It gives her agency. That's a big part of why I like it. Uh, they then kind of escape. Then the turtles come together and Splinter recuperates. Raph recuperates. Splinter gives them a pep talk. Hey, I, I, you guys are good. You finally came together and you did a thing. <laughs> and I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. Raph learns humility because he got the shit kicked out of him. At any point in this pep talk, does Splinter inform his sons that he ranks them by favorites? He does not. Because that's a shitty thing to do, Rat Daddy. (laughs) He does not, with his least favorite son standing in the hallway, tell somebody else they are not his least favorite son. So then they go make their big stand and confront the Shredder uh, to make him pay for everything that they did for for killing him the first time and for kidnapping Splinter. They're able to just narrowly defeat him by working together through the power of teamwork. Because, yay, the power of teamwork. Raph's not being selfish anymore. So As aforementioned, together. I love the power of teamwork. Don't we all? <laughs> uh, so they send them packing, and the turtles celebrate their first victory after having defeated the Shredder and the Baxter. And uh, we end my version of the movie with Shredder and Baxter and Karai all like being sent packing, and they're at their like new headquarters. And there's like a big heads-up display thing, but all you hear is audio. They're like having to explain how they fucked up. They tried, but they weren't able to recover it, so they're going to like have to ask for new mutagen. And we don't know who the voice is, but then the voice says, the general would like to speak to you personally. The video feed finally cuts on. We sing General Krang. And he yes, says something please. like, you numbskulls, and then the credits roll. <laughs> and that's how I end my version of this movie. I like that so very much <laughs> for a number of reasons. Karai gets something to do. We potentially introduce Krang, but particularly because I think you're very right. The turtles work at their best in that IDW run and elsewhere when mm-hmm. the plot essentially boils down to family and to the very personal dynamics between them and Shredder and their shared history. And I really like the idea that you step back from a city-threatening plot and just make it a this-is-personal story. I like that a whole lot. Yeah, and I mean, this is messier, I think, than my How to Fix Secret of the Ooze. But, especially for a reboot, I think it helps ground things. Like, you have to reestablish these characters, because 
you can't judge a reboot based off of what you think of a former version of things. See yep. Batman v Superman for why that doesn't work. Right. You, you <laughs> right. have to establish the version of the character you're looking at now as its own yep. character first. You need to do that for a new audience. Where do we put this now? This is our fifth Ninja Turtles <sighs> movie. How do we rank this movie? My rankings currently. Number yep. one, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990. My second, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Three is TMNT from 2007. Four is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. And five is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2014. <laughs> I initially, when I put together my rankings, mm-hmm. I have 1990 Ninja Turtles at the top. I have TMNT animated movie number two. I have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 number three. None of those are changing. The only question for me is, is this movie better or worse than Secret of the Ooze? Initially, I said it was better because I do not like Secret of the Ooze. I really, that movie has been a movie that's made me angry for more than two decades now. So I've got a lot of personal stuff to work through with that movie. And like I mentioned at the top, this movie slightly cleared the expectations bar. My expectations were so low that this movie crept over. However, in spending an hour talking about all of the reasons that this movie did not come together, I think I have to put it back down there in the bottom spot because there are some redeemable elements to Secret of the Ooze. There are some moments where they feel like the turtles. There are some bits that I like. So this movie was better than I thought it was going to be, but there's still almost nothing good about it. It's just a one instead of a zero. If you if you bite into a crap sandwich and you go, well, at least it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, you're, it's still crap. You're, right. It's still not good. So at the moment, I'm putting it at number five, but I'm going to let myself sit with it for a few days. And when we come back to do our next episode, I may have an update on that. I look forward to seeing where that ends up sitting long term. <laughs> All right. What is next? What's on the horizon? Well, up next is the sequel to the reboot. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. The Third One Sucks is a Retrograde Orbit radio production. If you like the show, make sure to rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. Follow us on Twitter at The Third One Sucks or email us at thethirdonesucks at gmail.com where we can chat about episodes and take your suggestions on what you would like us to cover in the future. That's the, the number three, rd1sucks at gmail.com. If you aren't already tired of our voices, you can check out our other projects, including Mindful Self-Indulgence, where Dan interviews folks about the media that has most impacted their lives, and Mount Olympus, where Mark and a panel of friends watches and reviews the Hercules and Xena television franchises, along with the rest of the Retrograde Orbit Radio family of podcasts at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in the sequel.